So we have the great honor, if you've been, if you're a member of our church, regularly attend, as uh, one of our favorite uh, pastors. He's the pastor, senior pastor of New Life Christian Church in Spring, Texas. So he's going to be bringing us this word. Would you give Pastor Andy a welcome, please? Well, good morning, Hope Church. Welcome if you're here in person, if you're watching online, welcome. And uh, we're in the same boat as you. We have some folks coming out in person, some people online, so strange times, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, It's good to be back with you. Um, It's been a while since I've been here at Hope Church, and um, this pastor exchange, this pulpit swap that we do is actually a long tradition, and um, we always do it the, the following Sunday after a classes meeting, so a regional gathering of churches. We do those meetings twice a year. And I want to congratulate Hope Church because your pastor, Pastor Greg Brady, was taking an exam to officially become a Christian Reformed pastor, and we let him in. No. <laughs> no, Greg, Greg did great. He hit it out of the park. We were, are so privileged to have him uh, with us, and it was a, a good milestone for that. Uh, also, Lindy Baker was the chair of classes, and she did a great job just moving everybody along and, and organizing the meeting. And then uh, Danny Skelton, of course, is heading up our church planting team with classes. So good work with what you do here in the church, but also thank you for serving uh, beyond the church. It's my privilege to bring you God's word today, and I want to begin with a question. And the question is this, that sometimes you hear or even say these words, God loves you. God loves you. But what does that really mean? Have you experienced that? And are you experiencing that right now? So as Pierre said, it's, it's been a difficult year, right? We probably couldn't have scripted how 2020 was going to go. Uh, the pandemic, a lot of racial tensions, the election, I mean, the list goes on. Um, in our household, it's been a difficult year. My wife is a teacher, and so they just went back to school, and it's in person, but they also have students online. So, you know, just being a teacher is hard enough. And then you got the pandemic, and you know, teachers are wearing face shields, and the kids have the masks, sometimes. <laughs> um, and then there's some students online, which is all extra work, and you're trying to teach to the, to the kids, to the person. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be a good husband, right, hold her close. It's been difficult that way. Um, one of our pastors, Pastor Pablo Guerrero, he's actually been uh, to talk to some of your leaders about maybe starting a Hispanic church. He's In August, he got the news that he came down with uh, acute leukemia, so really aggressive cancer. So he's been battling that in and out of Texas Med Center uh, on top of everything going on with the pandemic. And so we've been praying for him. The good news is uh, Friday he texted me and he said, Andy, good news, I'm I'm in remission. Uh, There's no more cancer in in my bones and in my body. So he's still not out of the woods yet, getting more treatment. But, you know, it's been a difficult year on so many levels. And in our church, we've been talking a lot about that. And uh, Peter said, I'm going to talk to you about being in the wilderness. And in our church, we've been talking about this pandemic experience really being like a wilderness experience. And in the Bible, every time you talk about being in the wilderness, it's always uh, another way of talking about a very difficult time, a very challenging time. And so, you know, if you know your Bible stories, the children of Israel were in the wilderness Right for 40 years before they got to the promised land. And that was a very difficult experience for them in a lot of ways. So the question is, 
how do we experience God's love, right, in these very difficult times, when we're in the wilderness? And the big idea for this message this morning is this, that God strengthens us in the wilderness so we can love him. God strengthens us in the wilderness so we can love him. And so with that, we want to dive into our scripture passage for this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. If not, just go ahead and listen along. It's a, it's a shorter passage. I'll just read it. Deuteronomy 32, and I'll be reading verses 9, 10, and 11. This is God's word for us this morning. It says, For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guided him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of worship. And Lord, especially during these um, pandemic times this year, we don't take worship for granted. Thank you for the gift of uh, worshiping in person. And we're thankful for each and every one who can come out. Lord, we pray for folks that uh, don't feel safe yet to come on out. And Lord, we pray that you would hold us all close. Lord, as we go through this wilderness, this pandemic season uh, in our lives, we pray that you would hold us close and that you would strengthen us, and that you would show us your love, so we can love you in return. And this is our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So in our church, we have a, a fun saying that we throw around a lot, and the saying goes like this. God loves and accepts you just as you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you that way. Let me say that one more time. God loves and accepts you just as you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you that way. And throughout the sermon, I'm going to keep coming back to that saying. But today, what I want to do with you with this this message is is really concentrate on two things. And first of all, this idea of being loved by God, and then second, being strengthened by God. So loved by God and strengthened by God. So let's start off with that first idea of being loved by God. So our passage is part of what we call the Song of Moses. So the people of Israel have been in this wilderness experience, this wilderness time. In fact, they've just finished 40 long years of wandering in the wilderness. They're about to enter the promised land. Joshua is about to succeed Moses as Israel's leader. And so Moses here is giving some of his final words to Israel. And what he's doing in this song is he's recalling all that God did for Israel and how God took Israel out of the wilderness and brought him to himself. So that's why in verse 10 it talks about this, this desert, this wilderness. He said, in a desert land he found him in a barren and howling waste. So the wilderness, of course, was no picnic for Israel. A lot of reasons to grumble and complain, which Israel did a lot of. Life was just hard. It was a desert land. It was a barren place. It's even called a howling waste. And of course, we've talked about how 2020, for us, right, is very much a a wilderness experience. It's a desert season. So God took Israel out of the wilderness and brought him to himself. 
And in, do, in, in so doing, he showed his love for Israel. And so in verse 9, Israel is called the Lord's portion, his inheritance. Right? Israel belonged to the Lord. They were his precious children. In verse 11, Israel is called the apple of God's eye. And then in verse 11, it says that the Lord shielded him and cared for him. And he carried him like an eagle with its young. And so in this sermon, I want to touch on two of those images that we have in our passage. First of all, the apple of your eye. And then second, this image of an eagle carrying its young. So my father-in-law is a retired Christian Reformed pastor up in Montana. And since his retirement, he's taken on a new hobby. And that hobby is Israel. <laughs> so he's taken trips to Israel. He studies the land of Israel, the culture, the language, the history, all that. And so he did a little commentary on this this section here, and he says this phrase, the apple of your eye, is another way of talking about the, the pupil of your eye, right? So we all have two pupils, right, in our eyes. And so he says the pupil of our eye is the opening through which light passes and is reflected onto the back of our eyeball, which in turn captures the images we see and sends them onto our brains where those electronic signals are translated into things that we understand, Right? That's, what's happens, that, that's what happens with the pupil. Well, why is this important? Well, he goes on to say, the pupil of the eye was considered in ancient times to be the most precious part of the eye. So just as the apple or the pupil of my eye is precious and sensitive and needs to be protected, so God takes care of his people. And so this metaphor, the apple of my eye, has come to mean something that is precious, something that is treasured, and above all else, to God. And so Israel was the apple of God's eye. They were very, very precious to God. And friends, you and I are precious to God as well. Even during our time in the wilderness, when all the, with all the lockdowns and social distancing and all other aspects of the pandemic, God is taking care of us. He's guarding us. He's protecting us. We are very, very precious to him. Now, sometimes people say, well, God doesn't love me. He couldn't love me possibly because, right, and then you fill in the blank. There's a lot of reasons that people give. Well, friends, the good news of the gospel is that God loves you. You are the apple of God's eye. You are more precious to God than anything else. He will guard you. He will protect you. He will care for you. And God loves you despite your sin. God loves you despite your past. God loves you despite your weakness. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, the frown of God no longer rests upon me, but my Father smiles. Have you felt that smile of of our Heavenly Father God's blessing, his favor on you. God loves you. And in Jesus Christ, and because of his finished work on the cross, now we clearly see what that love looks like. God's agape love, his unconditional love, his undeserved love. So back to that saying that we have at our church, God loves and accepts you just as you are, right? Because of Jesus. Now, a lot of times we want to kind of put some conditions on that, right? Oops. 
we say God loves and accepts you just as you are because I, or when I, or if I, right? But there's no conditions. We can't add anything to the finished work of Christ. We can't take away from it. God loves and accepts you just as you are because of Jesus. Let that sink in this morning, right? Think about how you are loved by God. Now, there's the rest of that phrase, right? Where we also say, but God loves you too much to leave you that way. So I want to transition from that first part of the message, talk about being loved by God, and and now I want to talk about being strengthened by God. And, And to do that, I want to tell you a story. So the story comes from uh, Pastor Tim Keller. If you don't know who he is, he's a, a pastor in New York City. He's written a lot of best-selling uh, books. One of those books is called The Meaning of Marriage. And in that book, he tells the story of what happened between him and his wife. So when Tim Keller moved to New York City with his family to start Redeemer Presbyterian Church, he asked his wife, Cassie, to grant him three years of long hours. And after that, he promised things would change. And so Kathy agreed to Tim's request. But when the three-year mark came and went, Tim said, oh, just a couple more months, sweetie. And still the months flew by with no change. And although Kathy was incredibly patient and restrained, she did have to get Tim's attention. And so Tim records what happens next. He says, one day I came home from work. It was a nice day outside, and I noticed that the door to our apartment's balcony was open. And so just as I was taking off my jacket, I heard a smashing noise come from the balcony. And in another couple seconds, I heard another one. And so I walked up to the balcony and to my surprise, saw Kathy sitting on the floor. And she had a hammer and next to her was a stack of our wedding china. And on the ground were shards of two smashed saucers. What are you doing? I asked. She looked up and she said, You aren't listening to me. You don't realize that if you keep working these hours that you're going to destroy our family. And I don't know how to get through to you. You aren't seeing how serious this is. And she brought the hammer down on a third saucer. Tim said, I I, I sat down, trembling. He said, I thought she had snapped. I'm listening, I'm listening, he said. And it became clear that she was intense and laser-focused, but she was not in a rage or out of control emotionally. She spoke calmly but forcefully, and her arguments were the same as they had been months before. But then Tim said, I realized how deluded I had been. There would never be a convenient time for me to cut back. I was addicted to the level of productivity I had achieved, but now she saw me listening for the first time. And we hugged. And finally, I asked, when I first came out here, I thought you were having an emotional meltdown. How did you get control of yourself so fast? And with a grin, she answered, well, it was no meltdown. Do you see these three saucers that I smashed? I nodded. Well, I have no cups for them. The cups have been broken for years. So I had three saucers to spare. (laughs) I'm glad you sat down before I had a break anymore. (laughs) friends God loves us and accepts us just the way we are but 
He also loves us too much to leave us that way. And sometimes when we get stuck in our sin, right, and we're doing things to harm Him, harm God or harm other people, God has to get our attention, right? Just like Kathy had to get her husband Tim's attention. And so I, I share that story with you to help us, you know, bridge to the second half of the message. But I also share that because this is really my story. And there was oh, about seven, eight years ago, I was going through a time when I basically should have been in recovery. Hi, I'm Andy, and I'm a workaholic, <laughs> right? And I can relate to what Tim is talking about, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, but at whose expense, right? So I had to get present to the impact that my workaholism had on my family. But in the process, even though that was hard and my wife had to say some hard things to me, it was a very, very good experience because I felt the, the truth of that statement that God loves me too much to leave me, right, in my workaholism. So I, I'm here to say that God's been doing a good work in me, right? He's been strengthening me. And with that, I want to, you know, see what this passage says about how God strengthens us because he loves us. So it's clear in the Bible that God wants us to grow in our relationship with him. He doesn't want us to just stay where we are. This is how we come to know more of God's love for us, and it's also how we can love God more, right, completely and more fully. So these two images that are in our text, this image of the apple of God's eye and the image of this eagle with its young, unpack both of, this, both of these things about being loved by God, but also being strengthened by God. And so I want to go back to that first one about the apple of your eye, because there's actually one more teaching in there that we can draw out that talks about how God strengthens us and why he strengthens us. So my father-in-law comments again. He says, God compares Israel to the apple or the pupil of his eye. And he said, in the original Hebrew text, there is a second subtle message for God's people. And a literal translation of this phrase means a little man of the eye. And so in our English language, our word for pupil can also mean a young student or a child in grammar school. The Latin word pupilla refers to a little person. And the Hebrew and the Latin words together both refer to the reflection of ourselves that we see in another person's eye. And we can see that, can't we? You look carefully into the pupil of someone else's eye and what do you see? Your reflection, right? Staring back at you, that that little person in that person's eye. And this is what God wants for us. God wants to see in Israel a reflection of himself and his character on earth. And God wants to see in you and me, right, a reflection of himself and his character back on earth. And this was God's original intent and design all along when he created our first parents. God made human beings as image bearers of him here on earth. Now, because of sin, that image has been broken. It's been tarnished. And so today we look around and we just shake our heads, right, with all that's not right in the world. We look around and we see racism and violence and selfishness and half-truths and greed and the list goes on. But even as we look around us, we also look within us. And we see those exact same sins in our hearts. And so even as we shake our head at other people, really? They're really doing that? Right? We have to shake our head at ourselves 
right, in humility to say, really? I really just said that? I really did that? Right? All of us are riddled with sin. And this is actually a good thing that we come to know this because this forces us to our knees. And it humbles us so that we can in turn look to a Savior. Right? That's why God sent Jesus. God sent Jesus to, to save us from our sins and to grow us in Christ so we can reflect Christ back to the world. That's why Paul said in Galatians 4.19, he said, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And what Paul is talking about here in God's design with all this is it's what the Bible calls sanctification. And friends, God will allow you to go through wilderness experiences and yes, even to suffer at times so he can grow and mature us and we can be like Christ. So here's a question for us this morning. How is God working in your life so you don't just feel loved by God, but you're also strengthened by God? How is God working in your life so that Christ is formed in you? And when people look at you, they see Christ in you, and you're reflecting Christ back to the world. Do you see that good work going on in you? There's another image of this text that we mentioned, and that is this image of God being like a mother eagle, right, with her eaglets. And so in verse 11, it says that God is like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and then carries them aloft. So let's mind this image a little bit more for what it looks like for God to, to strengthen us. You've, you've probably heard that phrase, getting kicked out of the nest, Right? Do we have any young adults here that it's time to get kicked out of the nest? <laughs> I've, been, I've been kicked out of the nest a couple times. But anyway, you know, so the idea is that, you know, the eagle kicks the, the eaglets out of the nest, right, so they can fly. Is that a painful experience? Yes. Is that a productive experience? Absolutely. Right? It's the only way those little eaglets are going to learn to fly. And God does the same thing with us as he compares himself to this mother eagle. So in our passage, it says that the, the eagle stirs up its nest. And I want to, again, credit my father-in-law. He's done great research on this. This is what it, the, eaglet, the mother eagle actually does with the eaglets. And at the, at the core of it, the, the mother eagle is making life um, less comfortable in the nest. And, and the mother eagle is moving from a posture of meeting every need to helping the eaglets provide for themselves. And so a couple different examples. Uh, at the beginning, the parent will, will shred the food for the eaglets with its beak and then drop it right in front of the eaglets. Right? They can eat. But then over time, what the mother eagle does is she drops that food further and further away so the eaglets have to go and get the food themselves. And she will let the eaglets learn to shred the food themselves using their beak. Another thing that the mother eagle does is she, she flutters about the nest, right? And then the, the eaglets do what's called imaging or mirroring, where they mimic what the parent is doing. So they begin to flap their wings, right, and develop strength there. And finally, over time, the parent eagle returns less frequently, and when she does return, she thrashes all about. And so the comfort from the nest is removed, the, eagles, the eaglets go for long periods of time without food, 
Uh, and they begin to test their wings so they can go and get the food. And so all these things create frustration, discomfort, even hunger. But the whole point of this is that the mother eagle does this because she loves her eaglets and she wants them to learn and to grow and to develop skills necessary in order to survive. And friends, that's what God does with us. Sometimes he flutters about the nest and he makes life a little bit uncomfortable for us. Right? Sometimes he sends us and allows us to go through a wilderness experience. Right? But, but it's for our good. I want to close this sermon by sharing with you one more story. And the story is also from Tim Keller. And, and this is real time. I, you may have heard, but earlier this summer, Tim Keller came down with cancer. And so he announced it to his family and friends, but also over social media, and a lot of people were praying for him. So since he lives in New York City, it's, it's like Houston, right? They have really good hospitals, so he checked himself into a hospital right away, and he's getting good treatments. He was giving updates. But in the process of giving those updates, he quoted this verse from 1 Peter 4.12, which says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal you are going through, as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, suffering, right, hardship, trials, it's, it's part of this life. And God not only allows them, but sometimes sends them our way so we can grow. The real question, Keller says, is how can you have fellowship with Jesus in your suffering? And I, I can tell you from my experience, it's, it's in those hard times. It's in those difficult times. It's in those wilderness experiences that I've really grown in my faith, and I've gotten closer to God. Keller said when he came down to this cancer, it was really hard, obviously, but he and his wife became much more closer to Jesus. He said, our situation has driven us to seek God's face as never before. He's giving us more of his sensed presence, more sensed freedom from our besetting sins, more dependence on his word, things that we had sought for years but only under these circumstances are we finding them. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning that yes, 2020 is hard. And maybe your personal situation is, is very, very hard right now. But God loves you. And God is strengthening you. And all this is happening for our good so we can grow and mature. And first of all, be reminded of our identity as God's kids that we belong to him, that there's nothing we can do to add to or take away from his love for us that's never going to change. But also God loves you so much that he's growing you, he's pruning you, he's shaping you to be the sons and daughters he's called you to be. He's sanctifying you so that we can reflect Christ back to a broken and hurting world. And as they look to us, they can see Christ in us, and we can give God glory. And more and more people will come to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word and your spirit. Thank you also for the hard times, the difficult times, this wilderness experience that we're all going through together. Lord, help us to sense your love in our lives. Help us to see how you are strengthening us, even in the midst of what may be a time of suffering. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we belong to you. 
We thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to follow you, Lord, and reflect back to the world this image of Christ that you're building in us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Andy.